A quick note to let you know that this is our first episode recording from across the world. There are some internet issues. It gets a little choppy at times, but I did my best to clean it up, and it is definitely still listenable. It will get better as time goes on. Uh, However, we want to say thank you very much for listening, and we're still excited to bring you this episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Myats in the Midst, a podcast about the lives of missionaries in Papua New Guinea, or PNG for short. My name is Jason. And I'm Laura. And I'm Taylor. So let me start by saying that I am not a missionary, nor do I live in Papua New Guinea. I'm just a regular guy living in the U.S. with a regular guy job. But with me, I have a couple of really special people to me, and I assume all of you as well, a couple of missionaries who are living in PNG. Uh, Would the two of you care to briefly introduce yourselves as well? Yeah. So like I said, my name is Laura, and I am an obstetrician and gynecologist. And I'm Taylor, a conservation biologist and self-certified bird nerd and outdoor enthusiast. Do the two of you mind taking a second to kind of talk about some of the folks who helped get you there and how you get by day to day in Papua New Guinea as missionaries? Yeah. So we are here in the highlands of Papua New Guinea at Kujip Nazarene Hospital, which is under the Church of the Nazarene that has global ministries throughout the world. And we're also here with Samaritan's Purse. And they are a partner organization that help us get here, help us with travel logistics and a lot of other things. And we are donor funded. Most of what we do comes from the donations of friends and family and churches back home. But we are here with those two organizations and we are proud to be a part of them. Okay, cool. So you guys, I've been so excited to talk to you about this. You did it. You are there. I want to hear everything. How, how was the flights, the layovers, the airports at, at other countries? What was the feeling when you could finally see PNG on the horizon? Were you watching as it crested? So that's a lot of questions, but let me try to go through, tackle them one by one. Yeah. So the travel and the flights and the layovers was lengthy. I think I calculated it was somewhere around 85 to 90 hours in total. Uh, So we were pretty exhausted by the end, but we were so grateful to finally arrive in Papua New Guinea. I bet. Yes. Our route was, we started in Cincinnati and then we flew to Chicago and then from Chicago to Los Angeles and then from Los Angeles to Hong Kong and then to the capital of Papua New Guinea, which is Port Moresby. And then from the capital, we flew to Mount Hagen, which is the closest city to the hospital. And then we drove from Mount Hagen to Kujip. I think with how tumultuous travel has been recently, especially international travel with COVID, we were a little nervous about our flight actually from Los Angeles to Hong Kong. There was a lot of regulations to even just enter the country of Hong Kong in order to be able to transit through, or I guess the country of China to transit through Hong Kong. I think it was one of those things where when we finally got our boarding passes in hand in Los Angeles, there was kind of a massive sigh of relief that felt like it was actually finally happening. And yes, I was watching out the window when we landed. I have a tendency to do that because I just love the scenery anyways. But it was a tumultuous journey, like Laura said. We actually had to cancel our flights the morning of on our first set of flights. And then a week later, we rebooked flights. International travel is crazy right now. There is very little people traveling. We watched a plane leave Chicago that had over 380 seats in it, and there were 11 people on it to go overseas. So yeah, there's just not a lot of people traveling right now because it's so difficult, but by the grace of God, we made it here and we're excited. Yeah. And I, I don't know, honestly, like it was hard to track each leg of it as you just went over it there. The whole thing kind of made me nervous just hearing about it secondhand. 
I can imagine how stressful it is to just constantly be making sure you're getting on the right plane at what, what is it, like six, seven, eight different places. Yeah. And I, I think that that final leg of the journey, well, I guess the second to last, but the final flight from the capital of PNG, uh, Port Moresby to Mount Hagen was actually, we flew on a charter flight with a, an organization called Mission Aviation Fellowship. So it was a tiny plane and Taylor and I were the only passengers. And so I think that was actually the perfect conclusion to this long journey. We were able to spend those two hours on that plane just looking out over along the coast and the mainland of the country. And it was just astoundingly beautiful. And we felt very blessed. It sounds gorgeous. I'm a little envious, to be honest. And, and what a great lead in. Two hours on a plane and then two weeks all by yourselves. Yep. How was quarantine? What, what were you up to the whole time? Yeah, it was. It really wasn't too bad. It was nice time to get settled in, get over jet lag. We got to quarantine in our house here at at Kujipt as an approved quarantine site. So that was good. We uh, we practiced or studied language, and we uh, had a couple projects. We were able to make some puzzles for the hospital. And when I say make puzzles, I mean like actually make them. Laura painted a bunch of pictures on plywood. And then I cut them out into puzzle pieces and sanded them down. And so we made a bunch of puzzles for the hospital, for the kids and, and things at the hospital. And we were able to be useful in some of those ways, even though we were um, restricted to the four walls of our little townhouse here on station. Yeah. And I guess this isn't so much quarantine, but to our arrival, we we were so blessed by the team here, the fellow physicians and missionaries here, that when we arrived, they had kind of lovingly prepared our new home for us so well. They had stocked our pantry and our cabinets with food, you know, to keep us for two weeks. They had gotten us coffee, you know, all the necessities. I think Taylor even had his his new work shirt hung up in our closet. We had flowers in every room and they had dinner cooking in the crock pot for us. I mean, it was just, it was a really nice cool. That I mean, what a great lead in to making some new friends. So how do you like your new apartment? Does it feel like home yet? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's much more than we expected. It's right across the street from the hospital, which is extremely nice. It's two bedrooms upstairs and the kitchen and the living room downstairs. They actually were doing building projects, and this is actually a new unit. We feel like um, we definitely don't deserve it, but we do love it. It's starting to feel like home. We put up some pictures of family, and yeah, it's very quickly become a very good place for us to be, so... And that's where you are right now, right? Recording with me? Yep. Yeah, it is. So have you started work then? We have. We started work. Well, today for us is a Saturday. It's the, what, the end of our second week? Yeah, so it's the end of our second week of work. It's gone by fast already, our time out of quarantine. Yeah, we've both kind of been fully immersed. And yeah, and, and that includes Taylor as well. Have you, uh, you've, you've started on, on uh, well, I don't know what... I want to call it a complex. Like, what's the term that you guys use for for location? And and Taylor, what is it that you're doing? Because we know that Laura's an OB-GYN. Um, that's doctor stuff. So what does Taylor do? Yes, Laura's been busy in the hospital for two weeks. I'm working with Nazarene Mission Station is the name of us. And basically, it's maintenance and projects and keeping this whole place running, everything from utilities to, to building projects and, and all of that. 
And there's a hundred and I think somewhere around 140 houses here on station for all the staff, housing, hospital staff, the church's staff, the College of Nursing is here. The station from one end to the other, if you go all the way to the back corners, it's about a mile long. That's not near as that wide, but there's just a lot of stuff going on that I'm learning a lot about and trying to keep up with. So it's been drinking from a fire hose for the last two weeks, but it has been a lot of fun and we're learning a lot. And I, I feel like it was such a like an older brother thing to do. Like, oh, yeah, Laura does doctor stuff. Taylor, tell me what you're up to. <laughs> um, but Laura, what's it been like as a, as a doctor with, with patients whose uh, primary language you're only beginning to speak? Or, or I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe you're fluent in it already. No, How's I that think, been, though? Yeah, I think that's accurate. Only beginning to speak is accurate for sure. I actually think Taylor's acquisition of language is although I'm, I don't know because I don't spend most of my day with him, but I think that his acquisition is going to far exceed or already has started to exceed my own. He's used Pigeon a lot more just on the job. I've been both blessed, but also makes it a little harder to learn that almost all of the staff, if not all of the staff, speaks very fluent English in the hospital. So they've been great at helping translate with the patients and I've really appreciated it. Um, I've actually had to find myself saying, hold on, let me let me try to say it in pigeon just so that I can better learn the language and uh, increase those skills for myself. That's pretty neat, though. I, I mean, that's what I've always heard is the best way to learn a language is, is immersion like that. Okay, and we'll get to that because um, I want to keep learning language with you guys. That's, I'm not immersed in it. So the only way that I'm getting it is through you. It sounds like Taylor hasn't been called in on any more procedures. Has he yet? In the hospital? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Are you I, going in there and helping surgery anyone again? No, I was um I was in uh surgery on our hydroelectric generator the other day. We did annual maintenance where we tore a lot of things down and changed the oil and that stuff and I've got some cool pictures. So I can at least say I was a part of a surgery in the last few weeks. So you got to what you need to do is get Laura to come and help you with your surgeries then. I think I'll pass on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, whatever. You're, you got to be a team player here, Laura. Come on. Okay, okay. All right. So Laura and Taylor and I talked about this. One of the sections that I want to do is is food. And Taylor, you actually came up with a couple of ideas uh, for names. For now, in, in our show notes, I just kind of labeled it food. Uh, we'll see if that sticks. I can't see how it wouldn't. It's a very creative name, but I, I do probably need a better title. So please send us any if you got a good title for this section. Uh, yeah, Taylor uh, or, and Laura, tell me, uh, what is the best thing that you've eaten in the last couple of weeks? For me, it's definitely been the avocados. Not only have they been the biggest avocados I've ever seen, but they've also been some of the most perfectly ripe and consistently we've had a good supply of them. And I've just really loved it. We have two avocado trees in our yard. They're readily available. And I think I saw some pictures, right? They're like as big as Taylor's head, aren't they? Yes, the avocados. We did get a couple that were that large. Not all of them are that big, but we got a few that were. And even just cutting into them, I was like, wow. My head isn't my head isn't that big. Let's, let's well let's and and here I don't know if Laura told you this Taylor, but um there was also maybe some comparisons of the shape of your head to an avocado too, <laughs> which sounds really rude now that I'm saying it out loud. And I didn't mean it rude. Maybe every human's head is somewhat avocado shaped, but when you're holding them right beside your head, Taylor, you got kind of an avocado head. That's all I'm saying. I think this food segment is getting out of control already. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, that's fair. So um. 
Which is, is one of you the cook in the house? Um, I, I can't imagine that you're, you know, ordering food out every night. What's no. the situation? Do you guys cook at home? No, ordering ordering food out is pretty much not an option at all. But I'd say we we split the duties fairly, fairly evenly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I guess, for example, in my house, I tend to be the baker um, and my wife tends to be the cook. Is there any any of that going on? Yeah, I, I would say if there is going to be any baking... I will be the one to tend to do it just because I enjoy that. As far as cooking goes, I'm more of the type of person that likes a recipe to follow. Taylor's very good at just winging something and it turning out great. Usually when I try that, that doesn't work out so well. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't, I don't do recipes. They're, they take too much time. <laughs> I, I'm not surprised. That's exactly what I would have expected. So I'm glad to hear it. Um, have you guys made anything new and, and fun now that you're surrounded by fresh fruits and new ideas? Which by the way, before you answer that, this is what I was, this is another idea that I was thinking about the segment. We could just call it the, the segment where Laura talks about how much she loves pineapple. <laughs> Actually, Taylor's the one who really loves pineapple. We've had a few already that have been so ripe. They've been incredibly sweet. And I think he eats like three quarters of the pineapple before I even get to any of it. He, he's eating all of it. Laura's a slow eater. So <laughs> it's just, it's really not a very fair situation for me to be in because it's just there in front of you and you just have to, you can't stop eating it, you know? I pace myself because I'm very aware that pineapples have a lot of acidity and you can cause canker sores in your mouth. And I just try to pace myself. But see, I think all this education just it ruins things for you sometimes. It's better to live in ignorance and enjoy the pineapple. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, we have got we have got a lot of fresh produce. It's been it's been awesome. I mean, we have an endless supply of bananas. There's just bunches of bananas everywhere you go on almost every piece of property. And so there's no shortage of bananas. There's Big bananas, little bananas, fun-sized bananas. That's a song, isn't it? Isn't there a song about bananas yeah, that goes something. that way? And an interesting thing that we learned is uh, making homemade sour cream because they don't have sour cream here. We had taco night one time. One of the other missionaries said, all you got to do is take this little can of whipping cream that you can get at the store, and then you add vinegar, and you whip it up, and then it tastes very similar to sour cream. It's not sour cream, but it's pretty close. So there's some things you just have to get creative with as far as food goes okay all right i like that well that's interesting to know because i don't eat sour cream and uh i never would have tried to make it but i imagine that's not a thing that people make themselves too often so that's kind of cool yeah it's pretty simple though so we actually got a couple of listener questions in one of them was you know what is taylor's favorite bird that lives in PNG. And so I thought, actually, this is an ongoing thing that we might be able to make an entire segment out of. But before you answer that question, Taylor, I want to ask Laura, what do you think is Taylor's favorite bird in PNG? Uh oh. Uh, the, the Willy Wagtail? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only one that I know it's that's name. That's the only one she knows. So that's why she's saying it. Oh, uh, so. So that really is a very cruel question, and I won't say his name, <clears throat> but um, it's, it's cruel because it's really just really difficult to pick a favorite. And the reality of it is, is I haven't seen most of them yet, so I think I have to kick the can on down the road on that one. I'll get back to you on what my favorite one is, maybe in a year or so. <laughs> but we can, do a bird, we can do a bird of the month. 
That's so non-committal. We yeah. don't get to hear about your favorite bird for an entire year. Yeah, I agree. That that's a little that's a well, little I, drawn out. I don't understand how you can expect me to know what my favorite bird is if I've only seen 10% of the birds in the whole country. If probably not even that. And you can update it as you go, you know, your current favorite of the ones that you've seen. All right, well, let's just do bird of the month. <laughs> All right, bird of the month. Go for it. All right. Well, since Laura already spat it out, I guess we'll just go with that one. So Willie Wagtail. So Willie Wagtail is kind of a robin-sized bird. He's black and white completely. And they're pretty common around here on station. You see them a lot. But they sing all the time. And when I say all the time, I mean when you're trying to sleep, they're singing. They, they sing in the day. They sing at night. So it's kind, of, it's kind of beautiful for a while. And then sometimes you're kind of like, oh, man, I need to try to sleep. But here's see, it's especially difficult for me because whenever I hear a bird, my brain automatically has to try to identify what that bird is so it's really hard to sleep and they kind of have a warbling song that varies a little bit so they sound a little different sometimes when they sing then they'll sing 10 minutes later and it sounds a little different so you kind of wake up going is that a different bird he says you wake up meaning he <laughs> you beat me to it that's yeah. literally what i was about to say i yeah. was gonna ask him though are those the ones that sing in the pouring rain too yeah they sing all the time because i'm not used to from the states i think I don't really notice loudly singing birds during a thunderstorm or a rainstorm. But here, the birds just, they just sing all the time. That's kind of beautiful. And I think it's also kind of beautiful that you love all the birds equally as though they're your children, Taylor. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, you said that, not me. Okay. We did learn there's a place not too far from here that hopefully we'll get to explore eventually that if you go, I think you have to go pretty early in the morning, but there's, how do you say it? What kind of bird is it? Bird paradise? Yeah, Rajianas. Ra Rajianas, is that how you say it? It's, it's, it also happens to be the bird that's on the Papua New Guinean flag. Okay. And is a bird of paradise. And there's an area that I believe is not too far from here that we might at some point get to go try to see this bird. I'm actually surprised that you haven't done that already. We've been a little busy. <laughs> well, okay, that's fair. That's completely fair. I know, Taylor, last time we, we talked, you were going to be going on bird expeditions as soon as, you, as matter of fact, isn't that the first thing that you said you were going to do when you got out of quarantine? Did you get to go on a, on a bird hike? Well, yeah, I just got up real early and walked around the station, did about a mile and a half and uh, saw what I could see. Okay. Are, are you running it all out there? Um, which, by the way, listeners like Taylor and I, that's, you know, a thing that we've done together. We, we enjoy running together every once in a while. And I was excited when you said there's bananas everywhere, because that's what I think about as a runner. But yeah, have you, have you gone out and, and ran it all? I have. Yes. I, I try to get out every couple of days and put a couple miles on to explore new places. I'll post more pictures of that on, on social media eventually. I'm pretty bad with the posting, but I will eventually. That's okay. I don't even have an account. So you're doing better than I am. Yeah. Go ahead, Laura. I was just going to say, you missed his, since you don't have social media, you missed his post. Uh, he went on a hike. Was it last weekend? Yeah, we did about 10-ish about miles, I think, up into the, uh, into the bush, up along the river, into the mountains. It was a ton of fun. Yeah, just a quick 10-mile quick jaunt, right? Mm -hmm. no well, it was, a, it was more of a hike. And yeah, we there's there's a whole nother story to the what we experienced that day, but it was great. I, I will take that as not a story that you're going to share here, but that's fine. <laughs> All 
I, I'm envious. I, I haven't been able to get out and go hiking in a while. So I, I imagine that the hiking there is, is pretty amazing. Yes, it's absolutely beautiful. It's like it, the place we went felt like the place that Hollywood goes to film movies like King Kong and Jurassic Park, just like that otherworldly kind of feel. Well, and let's be honest, the reason that it probably feels that way is because Hollywood has not gone out there to try to film. It's, it's pretty much left untouched, right? Yeah, very much so. Cool. I had another listener question that I, I wanted to ask you guys. We got a question that's, uh, do you have access to a car? Do you ride bikes or just walk everywhere? On station, from our day to day, we pretty much just walk everywhere. There's really no reason to get in a vehicle. There is a, a small, small fleet of, I think, five vehicles that the missionaries can check out, essentially, and take into town to get groceries and do those kinds of things. But um, since we work and live here on station, there's not a whole lot of need for, for going many places more than maybe once a week or so. We don't have bikes. I would like to get one at some point just because I like to ride bikes. Um, so that might happen eventually, but for now, it's mostly just go on a stroll to wherever you're headed. Pretty much same for you, Laura. Yeah, thankfully, we live so close to the hospital that I don't have to to drive or anything, so can just walk and I will have to at some point learn to drive a stick shift because that's what the vehicles are. They're all manuals. Well, if it takes long enough that you actually come back to the states, I'll teach you. I've been driving a stick since I started driving. Well, almost since I started driving. There, there's, there's an element of fun in that. You will enjoy it. All right. Take my word for it. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> All right. Anyway. So, okay. So I'm going to walk this section out a little bit better than I did last time. I'm going to try to anyway. Okay. So, hey, everyone, we have an email address where we'd love for you to send your questions. Anything you want to ask these delightful missionaries, we will do our best to get it into the next episode. And that email address is Myatt's in the midst at gmail.com. That's M-Y-A-T-T-S-I-N-T-H-E-M-I-D-S-T at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And then, you know, obviously this is the most important part of, of all of this. Let's take a moment to appreciate why you're in PNG. The Lord's guided you there. He's helped carry you through any obstacles and protected you for your journey to the other side of the earth. Has there been any scripture that's been on your mind? So uh, we're actually recording this pretty close to Easter right now. And I don't have a specific scripture, but in my daily devotional readings, I've been reading a uh, book by Philip Yancey, and I kind of just wanted to read a few sentences from that, if that's okay. Of course, absolutely. So it centers around Easter just because that's the, the time of year that it is now, but it says, from the Old Testament, we gain much insight into what it feels like to be God. But the New Testament records what happened when God learned what it feels like to be a human being. Whatever we feel, God felt. Instinctively, we want a God who not only knows about pain, but shares in it. We want a God who is affected by our own pain. As the young theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer scribbled on a note in a Nazi prison camp, only the suffering God can help. Because of Jesus, we have such a God. I just thought that was really uh, poignant for Easter and the concept uh, of the suffering God that we have. And I've just been kind of dwelling on it and praying over it and appreciating that God is with us and that he knows. We've seen 
or at least I have seen in the hospital already just in a couple short weeks, a lot of difficult, difficult cases and situations with patients who just haven't really had an opportunity to have access to care like what I'm used to seeing in the United States. And I've just been kind of dwelling on on that concept as I've been processing all of it. Yeah. So if I can ask a little bit about that, if you don't mind, you know, obviously here in the States, uh, we do a lot to protect people's health information and, and not make anything public. And out of respect, uh, a lot of that exists out of respect toward people. And so, you know, I, I would, of course, want to do exactly the same for people in PNG as well. Do you, is this something where you're comfortable sharing any sort of stories? Is there anything that you want to talk about that has happened over the last couple of weeks? Um, so yeah, without kind of still being new here and figuring out, you know, what it is a respectful and a good appropriate um, way to share some of the stories that aren't obviously my own stories to share, but even just speaking in generalities, I can say as an obstetrician and gynecologist, one thing that has stuck out to me is seeing some more advanced cases of gynecologic cancers than what I've been to seeing in the United States. And kind of like I just said, a big part of that is just limited access to care. You know, there aren't good roads here. And that's just one of the main problems. People that live in some of the more remote villages and areas simply don't have roads to get them to a hospital facility that's really capable of giving them the care that they need. So often when they finally do get to present, that means that they're presenting at a later stage And often, honestly, they're presenting at a point at which we give them only palliative care, which just means in medicine that you're giving them comfort care. Uh, What you're doing isn't necessarily something that will cure or fix their ailment or cancer because it's a little too late for that. And so, you know, I've been struck even by some of the very young women that have come in that there's not really much we can do for them. But then being reminded that we can, I mean, the whole reason we're here is that we can pray with them and we can talk to them about God and about Jesus. And I guess, like I said, that just goes into that concept of the suffering God that I've been dwelling on. So. Well, and I, and I think that it kind of begs a really important question. How can we, the listeners, be praying for you, uh, the ministry at Kujip and the folks at PNG? Um, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of things that we could use prayer for. I think To start off with, for Taylor and I specifically, we could use prayer for adjusting to being here, you know, for all that's new, for a new line of work to learn. You know, my work is still the same, but in a lot of ways, it's also different. It's a new hospital. Um, I'm getting to learn new staff and new language and even just a new way to implement my skills to care for patients, as well as learning new skills in and of themselves. So that kind of, those kinds of things Taylor and I could use prayer for. And then I don't know, Taylor, you want to speak on some of the other stuff that we could use prayer for? So a day or two after we got here, the hospital documented their first case of COVID. So while we've been dealing with COVID for over a year now in the States, this disease has finally reached some of the remote areas of the world. So the last handful of weeks have been spent, especially at the hospital, but in the community as well, just trying to educate people on um, what COVID is, trying to adjust to patients that are coming in with that, given that they've had a very, very limited amount of tests. No vaccines are here yet. 
that has been something that is drastically impacting this country now. The country shut down a year ago because the world was shutting down. And then I think a lot of people started to wonder if this COVID thing's even real because it hasn't got here and it's here now. Continue to be in prayer for the people of this country and the leadership of this country and the leadership here at, at QGIP at the hospital as we all manage and educate and deal with COVID in the midst of limited resource setting. So that's a huge prayer request. Um, one of the things that's been heavier on my heart with COVID as an obstetrician is that we've seen a decline in the number of women presenting to have their babies in the hospital. And I think that some of that just comes from, you know, the fear of the unknown that we know that there are, you know, we're taking care of patients that have COVID here. Um, so, you know, not wanting patients scared, not wanting to pick it up, come to a hospital where they know that COVID is, even though we're following all of the proper measures to, to isolate and to, to keep our patients safe. We, we have a concern that women aren't coming here to deliver when they should be, when they need to be. So just praying that they will feel a reassurance and a comfort in coming here, that they will still get great care and that we will protect them and not risk exposing them to anything. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of a hot topic here in the U.S., has been for quite some time. You know, is, there, is anybody talking about the solutions as it escalates in, in Papua New Guinea? Is there relief in sight? Because that, that's hopefully that what we're starting to see as more vaccines are being spread out and taken up by citizens here in the U.S. What's happening there in Papua New Guinea? Yeah, we've only got a limited, I uh, think, perspective on it. But as we all know, it's a very complicated disease and complicated issues surrounding it. But Australia was able to send, I think, roughly 8,000 vaccines to the country of Papua New Guinea. Most of those probably won't leave some of the bigger urban areas because 8,000 isn't really that many. So before vaccines reach to places like we are here in the remote parts of the highlands, um, that might be some time. I think they were hoping for April sometime, which is great, but it, it could be later. We don't know. The, the good thing is, is that we do have a vaccine for it now, and um, it has taken a while to reach this area. So. I think that there is there is some hope that we will be able to address it before maybe it gets out of hand, but that's to be determined. But continue to pray for, for all of those elements of this. All right. Thanks for sharing that, y'all. And, and I kind of let this get away, but yeah, speaking of, would one of you mind uh, leading a prayer for us? Certainly. Yeah. Father, we, we come to you today in the middle of this Easter season. And we remember that you came down from heaven to join us and to be present with us um, as a man, to engage in our suffering with us and to love us in the midst of that. Um, and we can love others because you loved us first. And we thank you for that. We continue to pray for the people of this country and the ministry here. Pray for all those that are doing your work around the world. We know that you are working. And, and we thank you for that. Continue to, to bless us in these days. And we thank you for your grace. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So a couple things to wrap up here. Let's learn some more Pigeon English. Laura, I think you're up. Are you going to continue to take this segment for us? 
Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm ready. I still remember Wantok. I think it's W-A-N-T-O-K. Okay. <laughs> that That is correct. Though I will say after having been here, gone through some of the language materials, I guess the definition that I found was slightly more nuanced um, than what I originally said last episode. Essentially, it's a person of the same tribe, region, or language. So similar in meaning, but a little a little more nuanced. But also more beautiful. We're all Wontoks then, right? <laughs> in, in some ways, we very much are. <laughs> okay, so do you have a new word for us today? Yeah, I think Taylor and I picked the word kai kai. You want to spell that one too? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even want to guess. <laughs> yes, it's actually really easy. It's K-A-I, K-A-I. Okay. Kai kai. And that means food, or depending on your use, it can mean to eat. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. We didn't talk about Taylor's names for the segments earlier. Wasn't that something to do with this? Yeah, it's a good thing we waited because I, we would have spoiled Laura's word. So, yeah, one of the names for the food segment I was thinking was either something like Fabulous Foods from Afar or, or Kai Kai Blanc PNG, which stands for, you know, food of PNG. What was that? What was that other word? Blanc? Be belong just like belong just like belong like in english except it's b-i-l-o-n-g instead of b-e so it, kai kai belong p-n-g yeah and it's a word that kind of just is for the most part a denotes possession so like the food of p-n-g p-n-g's food yeah kai kai belong p-n-g hey guys we learned two words today <laughs> kai kai and belong that's very true <laughs> All right, but we're about to find out how much people uh, appreciate you, Taylor. We'll see. We'll see who agrees with your ideas for, yeah, uh, so, for food segment names. Yeah. So, listeners, please vote on one of those, or let us know if you have a better. If, let us know if you have a better idea, because I'm not sure that there's anything better than what I've already come up with. So, uh, you mean besides food? Just calling it food? Well, I thought that was brilliant. Uh, yeah, it's perfect. All right, so I I think that's about uh, it for episode two. That I have very dramatically named Arrival. We'll see. We'll see if I can keep up with the dramatic themes. I think the episode one, I had something somewhat dramatic there too. Kind of sounds like TV episodes. I don't know that I want to stick with that theme. We'll see. But quick reminder, uh, you can reach us all at uh, the podcast at midst at gmail.com. That's just for the podcast though. For all things Laura and Taylor, you'll want to go to their website. That's myitsinthemist.com. So spell the same way, M-Y-A-T-T-S-I-N-T-H-E-M-I-D-S-T.com. You can read Laura's blog, see her amazing photography, many other things. I'm sure something from Taylor too, right? I write some blogs too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Taylor writes some blogs too. Please continue to, to cover them with your prayers. Uh, you know, we mentioned a little bit about it, but obviously it's the most valuable thing that it is that you can give to them. If you decide you'd like to help in other ways, though, you can find out how to do so on their website. And you can see some of, you know, Laura and Taylor's writing and, and the pictures. And yeah, it's great. You want to go there. All right, missionaries, do you have any parting words? You didn't mention this yet. Maybe you were going to, but telling people to check where they can check the podcast out other than our blog, because we'll continue to post it there. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so there are a couple things that I didn't mention. Thank you for bringing that back up. Uh, one of the other things that you can do on the website, too, is that they've created ideas for care packages, uh, which is really neat. Uh, check that out, too. But yes, thank you so much. So one thing that we have done is get the podcast put up on a lot of different places. And what's neat about that is that you can subscribe to them for free 
and they will automatically download to whatever device you listen to them at. And so those places are Apple. You can get it from Google's podcast. I think they're called podcatchers, but there's podcast services from Apple, from Google. We're even up on um, Amazon's Audible now too. So I think Laura will continue, and Laura, please correct me if this is wrong, but you'll continue to try to coincide a blog post with them. But if you want to get them as soon as they're ready, you can subscribe to them there and they will automatically download to your device, or at least they'll automatically let you know when a new episode's been posted. So thank you for reminding me that. Anything else? I think that's it. You nope. got anything else, Taylor? Nope. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this journey with us. We love you all. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Yes. Thank you so much, everyone. Be sure to keep an eye out for the next release of My It's in the Mitts. And we'll talk to you again soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. Okay. No, no meatloaf today. Yeah, All right. no, he had nothing. No bye. Nothing. All right. That's fine. <laughs>